Welcome into the His and Hers podcast. I'm Zach Bennett alongside my sister Paige. Today we have an amazing episode for you discussing all the latest NFL news, including Joe Burr's injury, Jim Ursay and his wild comments, and Daniil Hunter signing back with the Vikings. We look ahead to the New York Jets and their hard knocks journey and finish up with a mock draft of things that people pretend to like, but actually suck. That's here next on the His and Hers podcast. All right, Paige, uh, there was a lot of NFL news over the last little bit. Everything from Sean Payne's comments on Nathaniel Hackett, Jim Ursay, and the Jonathan Taylor drama, uh, Daniil Hunter, Damar Hamlin. Where do you want to start? What kind of caught your attention over the last uh, week or so? Well, I mean, everyone's talking about Nathaniel Hackett and Sean Payton's comments. So I think we just dive in right into that whole thing. I think it's being talked about by a lot of people, obviously, but wanted your opinions on the whole matter. Um, for anyone who isn't aware, I'm not sure how you wouldn't be, but Sean Payton um, in a press conference said that Nathaniel Hackett's uh, coaching just with the Broncos was the worst coaching job in the history of the NFL and uh pretty, pretty bold statement. I'm not, I'm not with the opinion that Sean Payton is wrong because <laughs> that whole situation in Denver was the laughing. Like that was just the laughing stock of the NFL last year. Obviously there's a lot of things that play into it. I mean, Russell Wilson going there and Nathaniel Hackett being the new coach, but like, I don't know. Like that's kind of like the, I feel like the double-edged sword of being a head coach. Like if you get, if you win, you get a lot of the glory. And if you lose, you get all of the hate. And he's the one who had like left the organization. Russell Wilson is still there. It's not like you're going to point at the quarterback and say, it's all your fault that we lost. And now we have to turn it around this year. So, I mean, I always love, I always love a good little banter and um, a little bit of trash talking among friends. But I think the interesting thing, obviously, Aaron Rodgers stepping in, acting like he's a really good friend, um, claiming that Nathaniel Hackett's the best coach he's had in the NFL and he, that he thought that uh, Sean Payton's comments came from a place of insecurity. Mm. Um, so just shots going back and forth between the two. Yeah, what's interesting is the Jets, you know, their first like six games again, you know, Bills, Cowboys, Patriots, Chiefs, Eagles. And then they're, um, and then obviously the New York, they play the Giants. So a lot of build up there. Kind of lost in the shuffles. Week five, they go to Denver and play the Broncos. That has now been risen. Game of the week now. <laughs> yeah, risen to a, a certain level of importance. But, you know, I think what, what he was trying to do that didn't get done very well was pump up and kind of provide a little backing to his quarterback who may or may not be wavering in his confidence. Uh, I don't know. We're not there every day, but by the end of last year, it definitely seemed like Russell Wilson was a little uh, shaken by how bad the season went. And so I wouldn't be shocked if Sean Payton thought that'd be a way to kind of show that he's got his back that, you know, a lot of what happened last year had, more to do with the coaching than it had to do with him 
but I think it ultimately backfired and Sean Payton kind of looks like a, like a big, you know, jerk in the whole situation, but yeah, but also does it. Cause the, the, I don't know. It's interesting. Cause one, it's been a rough week for the Broncos, right? Obviously they had some major issues at wide receiver coming out. Um, they've lost Tim Patrick because of an Achilles tear KJ Hamler comes out with a heart condition. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the Broncos offense is taking a beating this week. And then you combine this with Russell Wilson having had a really bad last season, trying to get back on his feet, trying to find out who he is separated from the sea, the Seahawks and Pete Carroll and what it kind of looks like for him. And so, I mean, like Sean Payton is a winner. Like he is a coach that his team gets behind that he's loved. He's one of the most revered coaches in the NFL for a reason. He had an incredible legacy at the saints. And so from my, like, from my perspective, I'm like, could it be considered a cheap shot? Yes. But also like, Sean Payton's had Aaron Rodgers number for the past few years, the past few years that the Packers have met the Saints, like Sean Payton, I feel like of any coach in the NFL has been able to make up a game plan against Aaron Rodgers repeatedly that embarrassed Rodgers and just made him not look that great. And so I think that there, like, there's levels of this, of just like people's like pride getting in the way and I think that Aaron Rodgers I think it's because it was Sean Payton that said it is the reason Aaron Rodgers reacted the way that he did yeah no I agree with you 100% it's uh it was interesting you just don't see NFL coaches typically do that and I think it's for a variety of reasons and not just NFL coaches you really never see coaches throw other coaches underneath the bus no matter what Profession, I think it's for a number of things, but I think the number one being they understand how tough of a gig it, it is and how fickle it is sometimes the success you have, you know, because if you're Nathaniel Hackett and some, you know, if you win that C Seattle game uh, off that kick or, you know, a couple of different plays go wrong, they would have started 3-0, and maybe, you know, who knows, maybe the season, maybe gets more confidence, isn't so rattled. And they they start the season off in a better in a better way or, you know, Russell Wilson, whether it was injury, whether it was just kind of funkiness plays better plays to who he was, you know, they wouldn't be in the same position. So I usually coaches, do you know, they understand how how timing is and sometimes things just don't work out. But also, you never know when you might work together. Like, you know, the NFL is a, a pretty big fraternity when it comes to once you get in as a coach, especially if once you've been a head coach, you could coach in the NFL for as long as you want, it seems like. And so a lot of these guys eventually, especially with how young they're on the younger side, Sean Payton's, you know, getting a little bit older, but they're younger that, you know, there could be a chance that they work together, but this would be, this would seem that maybe now that would not happen. So um, very, very interesting, uh, but, you know, good for Aaron Rodgers. You know, he turned into a new leaf, you have to say. You know, he went from yeah. the Packers of throwing on everyone in the organization under the bus to uh, and wanting every dollar possible to giving up 35 million on his contract and defending the coaches with all that he has. Uh, it's, you know, moving on to other topics, though, uh, to get off that controversy. It seems as if Joe Burrow's calf injury wasn't as bad as initially feared. However, because they are saying that week one seems to be uh, easy to see happening. The one thing you have to be worried about calves, though, is once it kind of starts to strain, it definitely doesn't take very much for that to happen again. So, yeah, maybe he'll be ready for week one, but 
maybe by week if week four it happens again all of a sudden the season could unravel pretty quickly and that's when you have to make the the difficult decisions of like do you just keep him delayed longer from returning to make sure that he can get back in full health obviously they signed a quarterback um after this shortly after this injury to kind of like help prevent that and it's just like you have to kind of do like you take the risk of starting off not as strong and make sure Joe Burrow is 100% recovered and there's less likely of the injury returning but football's just so difficult injuries are a part of the game and you just whatever decision you make if it ends up that he gets hurt earlier it's the wrong decision if you keep him out and they start out 0 and 3 and bring it back in it's the wrong decision it's just it's always hard to know in these situations no it really is And I think for the Bengals, you look at how successful Joe Burrow has been, they've always kind of gotten off to slow starts. And I think you can attribute it to some of it being that he's never really had a full offseason. His rookie year was the COVID year. Last year he had, what's it, when you get uh, appendectomy, I think is correct, Uh, where his, I think, gallbladder, was ruptured so he had to do a a surgery he lost a bunch of weight missed a lot of camp came in and had a horrible week one and then and then the loss of the cowboys in week two and they had to kind of climb out of that hole that they got into initially so not that this is the same type of problem because even with the strained calf there's still a good amount of stuff you can do without doing a lot of movement especially in the quarterback position in the nfl i mean he's still fully participating in training camp and everything like that not fully practice wise but he's been there he's in all of the meetings he's with the team so yeah it's obvious that it's like it's not the worst injury that he's ever had but to your point like it's one of those injuries that it can stay a problem for a long time yeah, that's the only issue that you have with it is, you know, not that he's a super mobile quarterback, but he does move around. Uh, but, you know, if if this was something that they were super worried about, I think you would have seen like a Teddy Bridgewater or Carson Wentz may brought in for a workout. Someone because I believe that they have uh, who is their depth chart. There's like a rookie and then they have Trevor Simeon, I believe, is his backup right now. And if you were thinking, man, we, we may be out a month of Joe Burrow, I think you, you would see a little bit higher level of a veteran being brought in to be the backup, not quite a Trevor Simeon or some of the, you know, cheap rookies that would be like a third, third, uh, uh, you know, the third backup. So I, I don't think it's too serious. I think they feel pretty good, but you just have to, it's a long season, 17 straight weeks of football. And, you know, this may be something that will play a role later on in the year as it goes. Yeah, from one um, injury update to another, I mean, one injury that kind of was the shot heard around the NFL last season was DeMar Hamlin. And exciting to see, obviously, this week it kicks off full pad practices for the NBA, for the NFL teams at training camp and Demar Hamlin is back suited up in pads which is just insane to think six months ago experiencing cardiac arrest and now he is here back again um, playing football in full form no it is really cool I think uh, that whole story and, and obviously will continue to get fleshed out um, I just hope that he's good you know nothing to be you know he's gonna have a lot of focus on him and I don't know much about Demar Hamlin the player I you know we I watched that Vikings, you know, Vikings Bills game was, you know, the most heavily I watched the Bills uh, and I, you know, obviously saw the primetime games and I don't really remember him other than that instant. 
So, you know, I hope, I hope he's really, I, you know, it'd be really great if he's really good because nothing would be sadder than all this attention and, you know, a lot of cameras on him and amazing that he's playing football, but he would instantly be turned into memes because there's that side of, of social media that it, they love success, but there's the other side waiting on failure. And with all this like hype and stuff that he deserves for the battle, you know, this is the battle and the, and I guess in my mind, the courage to play football again, I know for a fact there's that other side just waiting for him to stink and get burned on a play because then these memes would come out like you wouldn't believe it's, know. you know, well, and dark, it's such a, it's such a scary, yeah, it, well, and it's just, it's such a scary injury that like you couldn't anticipate. And so it's like, how do you not know that something like that will happen again? Like, it's just so scary with those kind of like heart related things. And I think it's why you're seeing a couple of players in the NFL kind of step back from everything. Yeah. One of the things that I and I have the great privilege of working with a few 49er fans where I work. And so all I have to hear about is bang, bang, Niner gang. Um, one of the guys I work with uh, named Tyson even has a desk mat, big old desk mat. I started the trend. I have to say I got a massive like gamer desk mat, but that was the Vikings logo. Just has a big Vikings head in the middle and little Vikings down at the bottom. I sent you a picture of a page. I think you appreciated it. And then Tyson, he sits to the left of me, got a big old black one that says bang, bang, Niner gang. So I hate that saying. I know, but, but, but you know, they stink. So, but anyway, so I have to hear about them all the time. And I'm just so curious how, you know, obviously Purdy's, I think, full participant now. But you have this trio of quarterbacks. You have Trey Lance, who you spent a lot of capital on getting. He hasn't really even had an opportunity to, to do something in the NFL. It's been herky-jerky from him. You got Brock Purdy, who went undefeated in the regular season for you, won you, uh, you know, a couple playoff games. And now, and then you bring in Sam Darnold for insurance because you keep getting quarterbacks hurt. And now you got to group of who's gonna be your guy and whoever's not your guy between Brock Purdy and Trey Lance is probably going to be pretty miffed because of who they were last year for the team you know Trey Lance the QB1 going into the you know the first week and Brock Purdy being the QB1 almost taking the team to the Super Bowl so they're and obviously Sam Darnold being that middle ground guy who was a high you know second or third round or second or uh, for third overall pick has a lot of talent and probably feels that he deserves an opportunity to be the quarterback of the team. So what's your opinion of it? What do you make of the entire situation? And do you see any reason why, um, you know, Trey Lance can come out from the shadow of Brock Purdy? Yeah. Like this year, this year's talk track with every NFL analyst and every sports podcast, I swear is uh, the jets. They're the talk of the town a year ago today. It was the 49ers. Everyone was talking about Trey Lance and Trey Lance, this Trey Lance, that what he was going to do for the 49ers organization. And then obviously a really big bummer very early in the season. I can't, was it week two that Trey Lance went out or week three um, week two, he, week two that he had his injury. And this is my thing is like, as much as you want to root for, 
guys in the NFL, there's a lot of things that play in your advantage to be able to become one of the best players. And I just don't think we have the data on Trey Lance for a team to make an educated decision on him. He's barely played any games in the NFL. He had all of this hype. He's been riddled with injury. And it's just like, at what point do you just go with the guy who's proven? Like if you have to choose between Trey Lance, Sam Darnold and Brock Purdy, which one do you choose based off the data that you have over the past two years? And my money's on Brock Purdy every single time he got you guys through games in the playoffs. He got that team playing incredibly. If he hadn't gotten hurt on like the third play of that game in the playoffs, like who knows what would have happened for the 49ers organization. And so for me, it's like, to me, it's just kind of silly that this conversation is still happening. Cause I'm like, I understand that you had all this faith in Trey Lance a year ago, but like, it's not working out. Brock pretty proved himself. You guys had a really good run. Why not put like why not just test it out? See where Brock Purdy is. You can use Trey Lance as the backup. And if Brock Purdy ends up sucking at the beginning of this year and last year was a fluke, then go ahead and pull him and put Trey Lance in. But I just feel like you have a guy that's gained momentum, has gained the the trust of team members there. Um, just put Brock Purdy in. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. Uh, and it seems that, you know, you listen to Kittle and you listen to a lot of the guys who interview, you know, interview throughout the off season. Purdy seems to be the guy that they want. seems to be the guy that they kind of rally around. So I really do believe as long as his elbow is healthy, that is a really unique uh, injury for a quarterback. It's very obviously common in baseball and with pitchers, but a quarterback typically doesn't have to deal with this. And to have it be partially torn and then try to recover in what has it been seven months, uh, just shy, which, you know, typically can take a little bit longer than that. I just, it's interesting to see, not that he couldn't get through a practice, get through a couple practices, you know, it's more about, okay, once we get six weeks from now, once we get where he's playing every single week and practicing three times a week, how's that arm going to hold up? And if it doesn't hold up, to me, the bigger question, because I think, like you said, Brock Purdy's going to be the guy. I think he's going to be the one they tried out week one. Who's going to be the second guy? Because not that I think injury is imminent for him, but I do think that with the type of injury it is, overuse is a real concern. And so to me, who the second guy is going to be very interesting which way they go. Because in my opinion, if they if they have Sam Darnold the two, they're going to cut or trade Trey Lance because you can't in my opinion, have him on the roster uh, with who he thought he was going to be to your franchise. Uh, he needs a fresh start to get out of there and to get out from behind a guy who was draft was the last pick in the draft just last year. It just, I just don't see how that's going to work. I know. So what do you think? You think that there's an opportunity to do Steve Young, uh, Joe Montana situation where you're like kind of pulling in and out between a couple quarterbacks, testing it out at different game points? Or do you think it's like you make your decision and then you just have somebody there that's there for if an injury happens to Purdy? You know what? As you were speaking, I think that there's probably a chance to what uh, uh, Kyle Shanahan has gone through as a coach the last few years that he's just going to keep all three just because who knows? Someone might get injured. Someone seems to always get injured for him. So He's not had the best of luck when it comes to injuries in his team. No, and yet somehow he's still been able to coach him to uh, some really great runs in the playoffs. So hats off, Kyle Shanahan. Absolutely. We've touched on this a lot, but obviously there has been an incident over the weekend with Jim Irsay and the Colts to kind of finish up our NFL news uh, portion. What, What have you made of the entire situation? It's been very unique. 
where Jim Irsay is active on Twitter, kind of an issue with old men and Twitter. They just don't seem to know how to, you know, use it appropriately. <laughs> Handle Tweets themselves. Saying the agents are acting in bad faith by telling these running backs to hold out because they negotiated their CBA years ago. They chose this path. They, you know, the franchise tag. So does that a little bit later, Jonathan Taylor requests a trade. It came out that he met with Jim Irsay uh, in person there seems to be a couple of disagreements. There was a private, you know, Jim Mercy's like private bus, like coach bus. They met in there. Uh, but yeah, he, he wants a trade. He doesn't want to play there. And then it got elevated to an entirely different level where the Colts said, well, you we came into camp with a back injury that didn't happen during football. So we could put you on the NFI list, which is non-football injury, which then they don't have to pay you because you got injured off of the uh, property of the team and so they are threatening with that and then John Taylor tweets that he's never had a back problem his back is not hurt and wherever you're getting your sources they're wrong all of that happened over the last couple of days and the dust is starting to settle but not really it just seems to be a lot more rumors than anything substantial the last one I saw is that the Chiefs are in contention for him which would be kind of nuts but what do you make of the entire situation and who do you side with on this i mean how can it's the colts it's the indianapolis colts who have been horrible for the past few years and jonathan taylor was kind of like your shining light obviously 2021 he had an incredible season he had some injuries last year but it's like this is the one player on your team probably the most sold jerseys in the past three years are Jonathan Taylor's. He's the one that has been like the shining light of your organization and kind of like the bright hope. So for Jim Mercy to come out and say like, if me and if I die tomorrow or if John Taylor dies tomorrow, like the football goes on to an extent, I understand what he's saying. Like it doesn't all revolve around one person. One person leaves the league and it's not going to have a major impact. And Jonathan Taylor might not be a big enough player to like, have it be like the biggest impact in the NFL, but when you're the when you are the owner of an organization and you have a star player who is kind of like, I just think it goes into this whole narrative. I think Jim Mercy saw an opportunity of like, hey, running backs are not being taken like seriously right now. There's a lot of controversy up there. So it's like kind of feeding into his narrative that he can say anything he wants because he kind of has control. But it's like you don't say that about the player on your team that's giving the biggest hope to your organization at this point. Like you're the Indianapolis Colts. You don't have a lot of room to like you don't have a lot of legs to stand on here. No, and I think it's interesting for a franchise that just a couple of years ago uh, paid Andrew Luck the entire salary that he was owed for when he retired abruptly. Because if anyone's going to be like, yeah, you know what? He retired. I guess you don't have to pay him. No, I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. But now a guy just wants to get paid a little bit more for what he brings your team and you are threatening to put him on an injury list so that he doesn't make any money. My whole argument with it is like, I can see where you're saying, you know, when you, when I say you, uh, like um, the, I guess, quote unquote, experts in the NFL that talk about how you don't pay a running back. I can see where that's coming from. But the problem I see is you have a rookie quarterback in Anthony Richardson. It's going to be probably a lot of run, run first mentality with whether it's options or, you know, quarterback draws or, you know, if you have. So my point being, if you're going to pay a running back, now is the time when you have a rookie quarterback who needs as many weapons as he possibly can get. Uh, because if there's anything that he needs, it's someone that's going to help him on the offensive side of the football. 
So why would you not pay your best player? He's the best player on the offensive side of the ball. Pay him. And then, you know, make it a front-loaded contract. Get Anthony Richardson going. And when the time comes where you have to, hopefully you run in a situation where you have to pay Anthony Richardson. That means things have gone well. You then move on and get a cheaper running back. But if you're going to pay a running back, now's the time to pay a running back. I don't understand. And especially because it's not like this is a 29 year old running back. Like this is a 24 year old running back. He's about to enter the prime. Like the historical evidence that we've seen on running backs is that from like 24 to 27 is kind of like the, the epitome of where they're going to reach their peak of their time in the NFL. So it's like, you literally have this guy who is going to be at his perfect situation, most likely the next three years while you have a rookie quarterback that you have no idea. I hope Anthony Richardson turns out to be an incredible quarterback for the NFL, but you know how many quarterbacks have been drafted with high hopes and have ended up being nothing like this is nothing new. And so the fact that it's like, you're not putting your money into the areas that make the most sense when you're trying to bring up a rookie quarterback, like you're not able to pay you're you're getting him on a rookie salary. This is the time when you build your team, you build the confidence in your quarterback back and the fact that they're not willing to invest in the best player that they have just makes me wary for Anthony Richardson in the situation he's in with the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, I absolutely I absolutely agree. Um were you going to say something? The only other thing I was going to say is the one last uh, piece of NFL news around the league, Alvin Kamara, obviously as we remember was arrested in Vegas a few months ago and there's been a lot of talk about him being suspended and he is making um, all the efforts he can to meet personally with Roger Goodell to tell his side of the story is what the news is from his agents and PR team that he wants to give Roger Goodell a little bit of insight into the incident so that he can kind of plead his case against not being suspended. All I'm going to say is that uh, I have never liked Alvin Kamara since he scored five touchdowns on the Vikings in Christmas. So ever since then, I hope he never plays in the NFL again. Yeah, that's kind of a bittersweet moment for me because that game, he was on my uh, fantasy team and he really propelled me forward that that week. Yeah. I, Put me into the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think it, uh, I think it's dumb. But <laughs> I think it's all dumb. Um, awesome. Well, uh, the Jets, uh, when does the first Hard Knocks episode come out? August 8th, next Tuesday. So we have Max, everybody. We have the Hall of Fame game that's coming up uh, tomorrow on uh, uh, the third. They play the Browns, obviously. To me, it's going to be a little more interesting of a Hall of Fame game because uh, Robert Salah, Salah, however you say his last name, has already you know said that young guys like Zach Wilson are going to play. And that's you know going to be interesting because Zach Wilson was the second overall pick just a couple of years ago. And this kind of ties into what I'm really excited to watch in Hard Knocks, and that's and I've seen various clips of it, is they've mentioned, and I think it's, you know, honestly, I think if it works out, it'd be really cool. One of the reasons they want to bring Aaron Rodgers in is to take advantage of the window now, but also because they want to still see if they can get Zach to a place where he can be the quarterback of the future for him. And, you know, yeah, it's easy to say that now when you have Aaron Rodgers in the locker room, but it even goes back to comments that um, he, you know, the co- head coach Salah made back all the way at the end of the season when he just said, you know, Zach's a young man. He just needs a break from football. He needs a break from all of this right now. Clear his head and, and learn and mature. And I think that 
they're doing something really unique where they didn't just give up on him. He's going to be this backup quarterback. He's on the team. He's there learning with Aaron Rodgers. And I've seen clips where he'll go through something and Rodgers is watching and he offers him, you know, some coaching and some tips on what he would do. And then Wilson does it right after. Um, and it, it kind of seems like Rodgers is, is, is enjoying this. And I think we'll see the first practice when Jordan Love takes the field this year and we'll see, you know, he had two or two or three years under, uh, I think it was three years under Aaron Rodgers. And we'll see if, if he really takes that very seriously to help the next guy behind him. But anyway, so I'm excited to watch that portion of it. I'm excited to watch that in HBO uh, in Hard Knocks because I think that they're going to highlight that relationship because it was mentioned, you know, a long time ago when, when he was first drafted, that's who Zach Wilson looked up to when he was playing football. So I think it's just, uh, I think that's going to be a really cool element to kind of unpack for that show. Yeah, I think so too. It's just kind of cool to see the Jets, like not just focus. I mean, a lot of teams, you'll see a lot of NFL teams, the Rams are the perfect example of this of recent history of like kind of going all in to win one Super Bowl. So it's like getting Matthew Stafford, signing, signing all of these extra players to have this incredible run and win that Super Bowl and then not being able to like keep up that momentum over the next year. Um, I think is what's really interesting from the Jets perspective is that you see them kind of building from the ground up in the hopes of becoming an organization that wins for the long term and not just for the short short term with things like getting Aaron Rodgers and then not only getting Aaron Rodgers, but like Aaron Rodgers committing to taking less money so that they can build more people around the rest of the team on the offense and then Zach Wilson staying on and then making sure that he's got a lot of room to grow and like be uh, tutored by one of the greatest to play the game. And so it's kind of I think that's going to be the most interesting thing. Obviously there's a lot of talk about the jets right now, but I think that's honestly like the long game is what I'm the most interested in with the jets. I think we can expect to see a little bit of disappointment because of how much hype they're getting this season. I think the season might end up ultimately being a bit of a disappointment for the New York jets fans, but an improvement overall. But I think that long-term I'm excited. I'm really interested to see how this kind of plays out for the jets organization, because I feel like the decisions they're making are just so incredibly intelligent. Yeah. No, I, so, I agree. We can't wait to hear some good hard knocks. Uh, that's, that's true football season times when once hard knocks is out, that's when, you know, it's about to be serious. Oh, football season is back when, uh, training camp opens back when pads come back. It's back when the hall of fame comes back. It's back when the first weekend of the preseason's back. It's back it's when bad. a coach, it's back when a coach bad talks to another coach and an owner oh, antagonizes beautiful. one of his players. It's beautiful. <laughs> it really is. Well, awesome. Well, let's move into our draft. I know that you have been thinking about this all day because I have. I've been trying to formulate a list. I think I have a pretty good one, but we're going to do five each. Um, and I want to make sure that I have a plethora of options. But the this this subject of today's draft is things, I guess, things people swear to like but don't, pe- things people pretend to like but actually suck, whatever you want to put as the actual title. But I'll let you go first, and we'll just go back and forth. Okay, okay. You ready? Yes. Round one for me is driving. Oh, just driving in general. Just driving in general. Okay. Everyone loves to pretend to drive. Like, when you're young, all you think about is how you're so excited the moment you can drive. But driving actually sucks. Like, it's the worst. I hate it. I despise it. And not just because it's like, one, 
No one's paying attention. Everyone says they want to drive. Half the people on the road, when you're actually driving past them, are looking at their cell phones, doing different yeah. things. It's actually extremely terrifying to think about the fact that we're all just trusting every other human in the world to obey the rules of the law and not drive like maniacs and kill us all. And so driving to me, right. one of the most stressful things, I hate it. I wish that there was a way to not have to do it every day. Um, Die. Or- that I just, I just wish that I could have a personal driver. I don't think I'm like, I think well, that people like driving every once in a while, but I don't think that there's any single person that is like, this is the best thing that I get to do every single day. No. And I think, I think it's obviously why the Uber rich have drivers because obviously it eliminates like a, a mean, a medial task that they have to do. My only argument is like the ability to, as an adult, you know, like, especially, you know, for you, like you could hop in a car and drive to a new place and yeah it could take a while but for the cost of gas you could literally be in california by tomorrow like on a beach chilling okay it takes a while you know the like flying and stuff is is quicker but it is a lot more of a process you literally could just get in your car and drive to a new place okay it's freeing so that's my only argument like day-to-day driving you're right but I think like the aspect of like how freeing it is, is my only counter to that. My one, one clear one, one, I have to say is parades. Parades suck. Parades are the worst. They're overrated, overhyped, and no one really likes them. Like I'm, I don't think anyone actually likes them, but people get to parades so early, like so early for what they suck. So it's actually a good point. It's like, I remember, uh, I was living in Provo going to BYU and me and one of my friends, it was the first year we'd been in, a Utah for independence day and everyone made a huge deal about the Provo parade. Like it was the greatest thing on earth. Like people were putting their chairs out a week in advance. People were there like five hours before the parade started, making sure no one had moved their chairs. It was complete chaos. And then this parade, they don't even throw anything. They don't throw candy. You don't get nothing because it's like against the law to throw stuff. So people were camping out for weeks for a parade of just watching floats walk by trying to sell you stuff. And it was just the most confusing experience of my life. Yeah. And like when people say like argument of, you know, like, well, you got to go to parades that are good. No, there's no parades that are good. Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? Don't care. (laughs) Okay. Don't care. Not a parade guy. Nope. Nope. Okay, round two for me. Yes. Sleeping in. I feel like everyone always talks about sleeping in. Like it's this incredible thing. Like, oh, I just wish I could sleep in. Or like, but you know what's better? Going to bed early. And waking (laughs) up early. So it's like, I just wish more people would say, oh man, I'm going to go to bed early tonight so I don't have to sleep in tomorrow instead of always being like the solution is sleeping in because sleeping in might seem like a nice idea, but it actually just sucks because it throws your whole day off. Your morning is like gone. So it's the afternoon before you know it, you're not near as productive. Your brain's not functioning as well. Like sleeping in is not, it's, it actually sucks. That's a take. I'm not even going to lie to you. (laughs) Your first two, they've been different. (laughs) They've been, they've been different. They've been different. I, I I like to be on the train of going to bed earlier and waking up early, but uh, you know I wouldn't say that sleeping in. But you know I will say I guess if I'm gonna agree with you there, it's like every time I do sleep in, I just wake up tired. 
it never really like satisfies satisfies and i'm like god just wasted a portion of the day um okay my number two is uh trashy reality tv shows so in in my opinion i'd put like keeping up with the kardashians in there i would put uh all the like dating shows people think that they like them but the reason that they do is because they can turn off their brain and be doing other stuff while this meaningless junk is just being spewed it's just like it's a moment that they can just shut off their brain but when they're done with it they're not any better for it and they they question themselves it's like guilt it's like a guilty pleasure but they don't actually enjoy that they that they spend so much time on terrible reality television shows. I have quite a few friends who would probably uh, fight you with those words. Well, come on, come on and fight me. Round three for me, dogs. Yes. Oh my dogs as pets. God. Listen, I, listen. I, I, listen, I'm so going to no, win. No, 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 hear me I'm out. I'm so going to win Hear me out. You chose sleeping in in dogs. You're dumb. No, hear me out, dog specifically indoor dogs oh my gosh i understand no listen i understand people liking dogs every every human who has a heart sees a happy little dog and it makes them happy and they enjoy it but you can't honestly tell me that there's anybody who truly enjoys owning a pet in their home and the amount of added tasks that it adds to their day from the fact that you have to like train it to not poop or pee and it still poops or pees all over your house the shedding of the hair, the fact that anytime you leave town, you have to pay uber amounts of money to have the dog stay with someone or have somebody house sit or put it into a little shelter overnight. And then like the cost, like everyone I know who has an inside dog is having to pay for some sort of pills and all of these different things that it's like inside dog. I'm like, I grew up in Idaho on a farm. I know this will be a hot take for everyone, but like on farmland that our dogs just ran around outside and they loved their life. And we fed them once a day and we made sure they had water and they were the happiest dogs on the earth. And they lived a very long time. And it's like very low and barrier of entry for us as humans, because we didn't have to spend all day and all night planning around our dog's schedule. And I just think that if there's people that are like, that is the, what they think their joy is coming from is planning their entire dog schedule. I just think that you're missing, you're missing something in your life. And that's not actually what's bringing you happiness. I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> good, good luck defending yourself. That's all I'm going to say. That was, that's, that's bad. I don't even know. Um, <laughs> So I, I love dogs. I think dogs are great. Um, I think our mother should have a dog. Yeah, she, outside. No, a dog that sits on her lap and next to her and provides companionship. Uh, my number one, I'm going to, or my number three pick, I'm going to do uh, a category like health drinks. So this is uh, greens. Kombucha is the one that made me think of this, but I think it's wide ranging. So kombucha number one, but like the like the athletic greens, like the green powders, um, like just all that junk that people like, oh, this is probiotic. And then you start like diving really deep into it. And there's it's kind of like flaky evidence that any of that crap actually works. It's kind of iffy, like there may be some benefit benefits to your gut, but it's not like truly proven. So it's really just like a flex to but no one likes that vinegary crap. Okay. It sucks. It's disgusting. So yeah, health drinks, but it, quotations, 
kombucha. No one likes to booch. People hate booching. It's the worst. So don't People be the person booching. who's, don't be the person that's like flexing your booching. And the worst type of people are the ones that say they make their own booch. It's like, oh, so you have that like, that like thing that like everything's fermenting. There's a word for it that I'm trying to think of, but it's like the the thing that everything's fermenting off of and they make it. It's like, it's all just rotting. Kombucha, it's a tea that ferments. Yeah. And that, like that bag that like I make my own booch. It's yeah. disgusting. I make my own booch. Yeah. So you just pretend because you heard your favorite athlete or health persons drink it and you think you're cool gross so that's that's it that's that's the one that's health the one drinks okay, that's four. a pretty good one i'll give you that one four all right four for me what are you gonna say like spouses <laughs> is that gonna be your fourth pick candy chocolate no, no uh Drinking alcohol. Oh my gosh. Hey, you my really, one. Okay. All right. No, but this one, listen, hear me out. I think this is the, actually the one that everybody can get behind me on for the most part. I'm like, because similar to your point of like, it's one of those things where it's like, everybody wants to do it because like, oh, it's cool. I read an article once that wine can help my heart or like, oh, it helps me unwind. It helps me relax. But truly when it comes down to it, like you have to make yourself enjoy it. Like it is something that you have to have repeated practice of to be able to like handle the taste of beer, to be able to handle the taste of hard liquor. And like, so you might enjoy like the feeling you have after you participate in that, but it's literally like you have to train yourself to enjoy it aside from like the fruity drinks that taste like juice and it's masking the taste of the alcohol. Like people don't actually like drinking. They don't enjoy it. They don't love the taste of alcohol. They will make themselves enjoy it and it becomes something. It's just like smoking a cigarette where it's like awful at first, but once you start doing it, your body's like, oh, this is a thing now and now I must have it. So that's my hot take. I don't think people like drinking. I think that they like the effects of drinking, um, but they don't like drinking in and of itself. So yeah, I I would kind of narrow that down as the the taste of alcohol because people like drinking but it's the taste yes, that, the taste. that you're, you're referring to. Um, I am going to, I'm not going to let myself get too broad. I, you know, I would say like unnecessary parties and I would put a few different categories in there, but I'm going to be very specific because I don't think that's super fair. Uh, gender reveal parties. Okay. Now to be honest with everyone and I don't want to hurt any feelings, but I'm going to, ha- you already went after the dog. So I think I can go after this niche of people. <laughs> There is no one that wants to go to your gender reveal party for your kid. There's, there's no one. No one wants to do that. People already have to make time for baby showers and birthday parties. No one wants to work and then have to go see you do whatever nefarious activity you have planned to see what the gender of your baby that is that would be known if you just told everyone, Okay. If you do like a small thing where you open a card with your close family, I guess, but no one at like, no one wants to go. I, I promise you there's not one person that's happy to be there when you're popping a balloon that has pink petals in it. Okay. You don't think grandparents, aunts, uncles are all about that? No, they will pretend because it's important to you and they love you. And if it's important to you, I'm happy for you. But I'm going to be your honesty broker here because you need someone like me in your life. (laughs) 
that is telling you, don't do it. No one wants to go to that crap. And there's people setting force on fire. Okay. That, that should tell you everything you need to know. So there it, it is. sucks. No one, no one likes it. People are going to come at us for these takes. Yeah. But outside your dog's one, I could, I could get on board with the list, but that one was just, that one was weird. That was, that was like a personal attack that you have against just beautiful creatures. So, so what's your last pick? Okay. Oh, last one. Let me see. I have a few options. I'm trying to choose from. We're going to go with mayonnaise okay wait no a food category mayonnaise and anything on a bone like <laughs> what the hell is this list Paige I that is that's so weird that is okay mayonnaise is delicious things on a bone you're talking about wings wings are unbelievable like you're going after the things that like there, you have to find very few people that agree with you. I feel very confident about my list of, I'd be able to find a lot of people that'd be like, yeah, you're right. That there's like no one that would agree with you on that. I mean, that is so weird. <laughs> I, I'm, I'll let you redo that one. Cause that one was bad. Okay. I'll do a redo. Yeah, that was that was one of the worst. I'm sorry. Things. This is more of just a list of things I really don't like. Yeah, but you're, everyone yeah, else likes. Yeah, you're going after very niche things that you may be able to find five people that would agree with you. Okay, okay, okay. Here's another one. Maybe this one's better. Superhero movies. Okay. See, there you go. Okay. There you go. That's a good pick. <laughs> okay. See, everybody, everybody chooses. Everyone acts like they like the superhero movies, right? Everyone goes and sees the new Marvel releases and you don't really realize, but you also realize at the same time that you're watching the same movie over and over and over again. And the only time they're any different is when someone takes the liberty of like telling the villain side. So it's like, that's why the dark Knight is like the greatest superhero movie to like 90% of people is because it was like finally different and had a little bit of a different storyline, even though you knew it was still going to happen. You got like a different perspective. It's like, Every other day, they're coming out with a new Marvel movie, and it just feels like, oh, the same, like, I know exactly what's going to happen. I feel the same thing about, like, Mission Impossibles. Like, everyone watches Mission Impossible. There's seven of them. The seventh one just came out. And, like, these people are like, oh, you have to see it. And it's like, okay, uh, there's seven of them. Do I need to watch the first six? Oh, no, you can just watch the seventh and not have to know what's going on. Because it's the same thing every time. Tom Cruise, oh, no, bad situation. He's going to solve it. Oh, he finds something. There's a woman involved. Oh, there's a bad guy. He's going to do all these weird stunts. He's going to fly off a mountain. Oh, and then at the end, he's going to have solved most of the problem. But there's going to be a cliffhanger that makes you realize that, oh, no, there's another piece to the puzzle. It's like that is every single superhero movie on repeat. And I just think that we need some different storylines in here. Like, I don't know. Marvel tried to do it. I know I haven't even seen any of these movies, but I know that they killed off like Iron Man. So I guess they're trying to mix it up a little bit. But I just feel like you don't like there's like four. There's four superhero movies that you like as an individual. There's only four of them. The rest of them, you don't like that much. You probably wouldn't watch a second time. Yeah, I think I think this is something that is probably more relevant now because 
Uh, I was really into that first part of Marvel where they kind of built everything up to the end game and to Infinity War. And it was like awesome to like have the culmination of a bunch of different story arcs kind of go into one movie where it, it kind of felt rewarding in a sense. But it's like someone who does something really, really great early in life and then they spend the next part trying to chase it. I would say probably more like a band, like a band that drops a really good album that's like vintage. And it's, and it's like, that's, that was a masterpiece. And then they never can quite reach that level again. That's kind of what the last three, four years of Marvel have been. They, they hit such a peak in like pop culture and everyone being involved. And now like all these different, they're trying to introduce all these different little things and all these new characters and all these new, but all that attachment that kind of built up to that level, not a lot of people want to go through that work again. And so they're falling flat on their face. So I agree. I agree with you that it's more recent. That that is that's a solid solid. Yeah, it's like it's like fine. Like have some superhero movies, but like let's just let's start with new superheroes. Let's do something different. Let's yes. have a superhero die in their first film. I guess that makes them not a superhero. But yeah, geez. Um, <laughs> okay, my last pick, and this one will probably be my most controversial one. Not as controversial as mayonnaise. I hope. Well, it wasn't so much the mayonnaise. It was the, uh, I mean, take from the fact that mayonnaise is put on uh, almost all sandwiches and sandwiches are a very mistake. popular. Yes. Uh, we don't need to go down that road, but um, is art. Oh, no, no. Like art. That, no. no, I'm sticking to it. I'm sticking to it. No, that sucks. No, listen. Okay. I've seen... The Mona Lisa and Miss World Traveler. I know you have too, but I saw it first. <laughs> is true or not? Is it true or false? That you I, saw the Mona Lisa first? First. Fact true. or fiction? It's true, true, but you were also like 14 and an insecure little boy. I was 18. Okay. And uh, I was, I was, yes, a wee lad, but nonetheless, I saw it first. <laughs> okay. I mean, and I saw lots of art in that place. <laughs> the Louvre that place that place i mean that's how that's so much of an impact it made on me i i just i don't get it you know what i mean like yes it's beautiful yes there's i can see the the talent as bad of a take is the one that's as bad of a take as dogs that is as bad of a take as mine on dogs it's just because you specifically don't enjoy it no okay you know how many people go to an art museum every time they're anywhere no but listen i understand that like yes like the ones that are historical i can see how they're cool but like when you go to these super, like you've, you've taken pictures of some of them and, and they're like the most abstract, like just dumb things. Like no one is like, what, like no, my life isn't changed. And people act like they go to these places and they're having a, like a, a renaissance, like a spiritual experience. That's not going to happen looking at a picture of like orange and green lines. This is the dumbest take you've ever said. No. I've no. had spiritual experiences looking at art. Then you're you lying to dummy. yourself. No. <laughs> oh Dumb. my goodness. Dumb. That is one of the art is like the one thing that's been connected humans from the beginning of time until now. Like that's the one thing that has always been consistent is that there are artists and there are people creating art to like connect. Yeah. And yeah. it's a way overrated. of language. It's like art and music. That's like saying that music is overrated. Like no, oh, no. that is your worst take no. of all time. No. That is your okay. first take. When I say time. art, I mean specifically abstract paintings. Okay, you should have clarified no, that. No, but even art museums are stupid. Like I've seen, yes. 
I've seen no. figurines of like these like rocks that are laying on top of one another in like a diagonal way and they're stuck together by like, okay, like Chicago, that whole bean thing. What, like that is nothing to me. The bean, that is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, heavens. It's a bean, a metal bean. And it's like, I got to take time. It's fun. It's flirty. It's stupid. I have to take time out of my day to go see a bean. That's dumb. That's not art. That's just lazy. Stupid. Oh, Oh, this just riled me up. Stupid. Never doing a mock draft with you again. You suck. That was, listen, I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't, I don't get how looking at, okay. We attack dogs in art. I hate both of us. No, listen. Like, how is, how is the painting of a Tetons, like the mountain range, any better than just a picture of it? Because of the art and the piece and the texture. Uh, see, okay. <laughs> Big words. You're so dumb. That's stupid. Dumb. Oh, wow. That just riled me up. That's the worst. That's the worst thing you've ever no, seen. No, you, you said you hate dogs. Okay? I, dogs said, hate dogs. I said the people no. with inside dogs don't actually enjoy them as much as they think they do. You said art is stupid and that is wrong. It's again, it's people pretend. Okay. Let's go back to the, they, they pretend that it's changing their life and it doesn't they, they walk out and they're the same exact person it changes mine there are literally paintings i've seen that no. i think about them repeatedly they'll come no. back to my mind because of how much they impacted me no and that's fact retweet tell your friends tell your friends speaking of telling your friends this has been the latest episode of the his podcast make sure to let your friends know about this podcast share our instagram at his and hers podcast twitter or yes, X, as it's now called, under the same name. Did you know that Twitter is now called X? I didn't Elon, know that. That's exciting. Elon changed the name. He's also, always wanted to name something X. It's true. PayPal was originally called X.com. Um, you can find us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Make sure you like, follow, and subscribe, and share with your friends. And leave a five-star review on the service that you're currently listening. Thank you guys so much. Even if so we much. offended you today, please leave a five-star review. We love yes. dogs and we love art. Half of us do, apparently. <laughs> Have a good one. <laughs>